It should have been you. It could have been you. But it's not. <laughs> if you're interested in having your business featured on this podcast, reach out to us at Stupid Science Inc. at gmail.com. Again, that's Stupid Science Inc. at gmail.com. And that's Inc. with a C, not a K. What's poppin', beautiful people? Your happy accident has led you to the Stupid Scientist Podcast. And these are my inner ramblings. As you're listening to this broadcast, I challenge you to do three things. First, expand your mind. Second, think critically. And last, but certainly not least, probably one of the most important things a scientist does to formulate new hypotheses. I hope, oh how I hope, that by the end of this, you feel just a little bit stupid. But check it, don't you dare stay that way. What's poppin', 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 beautiful people? If you tuned in to the last episode, you remember that we were talking to Layla Aaliyah, the math astronaut herself, and we are going to continue that conversation in this episode. So I hope you, that you were waiting with bated breath because wait no longer. You can breathe now. We're going to finish that conversation. Hope you're ready. Enjoy. Comfortable. I need to be comfortable. I need to come. Oh, crap. Shit. Fuck ass. It's <laughs> finals week, you know? And then, then you fail and then you have to be, then you're more uncomfortable because right. now you are so behind. I mean, it took me two years to build my GPA and redo, retake all my classes and do damage control. I had a 1.25 GPA. Um, but and you, and you, you were able to flip that around. Oh, I went above it. I, I got above a 3.0 at Wonderful. the end of it all. But I, it took me six years to graduate versus four. But with that time frame, I had, I, I, after three years and I, I'll just tell you this right now, I Purdue my first semester, I did really bad. By the third year, I found out I have ADHD and dyslexia. <laughs> so I was like, there's something that I've been, I did everything right. And now I'm fixing it, but why am I blanking out on my test? So learning about, um, I, I, and my the people were like, "How did you get into engineering school? We don't know how you did it." And I said, "Passion and perseverance. <laughs> it does take you far. It does yeah, take you I, far." I, I, I love that. I love this. And what I tell a lot of people, what I, uh, and I want our listeners to to cue cue in on this. You don't have to have the the most perfect stellar record to do well in these fields. If you try hard enough, if you study and you work hard towards something, you can achieve. There's no such thing as too hard, right? I, yeah. I, I ta I've took, taken that out of my vocabulary. Things are hard, but there's nothing too hard. There's nothing that we can't overcome. And so listening to you share your story about how you, you struggled, but you didn't fail because somebody would have said you failed, but you didn't fail because you got back up and you continued pushing after after that. So yes, people people who look at where we are now in our lives and our careers, they say, "Oh, they must be brilliant. They must be geniuses." the The brilliant thing about being where we are is not innate natural talent. Some of it. 
but not all of it. The, the bulk of it is that that beast mode mentality that that's deep within, you know? Yes. So I, I think that's something that I want people to take away from this. Yes. And, and also when you said that, it reminded me of all the smart people that were around me, that they were geniuses and they didn't pursue further, but they didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't push themselves further than the 4.0 that I ended up getting the co-op at NASA and they did not. And they were perfect 4.0s. They're perfect students the first semester. Um, they, they, they were like, I mean, they didn't say anything, but in the beginning when I was struggling, they were like just bragging about, oh yeah, you just got to study harder, you know, like just kind of like roll their hands and, you know, just rub their finger under their nose. You know how I like that little, yeah, and, and, and I remember I was around a lot of guys that got that, that got the co-op and internship at NASA and, you know, and I would ask them, so how did you do it? And not one of them, not one of them were nice enough to just give me some advice. Mm-hmm. So that motivated me further. I had a female that got an internship at NASA and she was like saying, I just made phone calls. Mm-hmm. I just called people. And that's what NASA looks for. That's what some organizations that are very competitive, they look for people that will work hard to get there. And then that means they'll work hard to stay there, mm-hmm. that, that they're worth the investment in, in, in uh, mentoring. And that's what I learned that they, that you met them halfway as they were looking for you halfway, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how these people were 4.0s geniuses. They were so like, yeah, they'll come to me. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I'm a badass. They're going to come to me because I'm so good. No one's going to take you. No, no you, take you. you have to show that you're interested. People don't want to work with people who are, you know, stuck up. (laughs) Right. And they're, yeah. And saying, and, and on top of that, I had to be inspired by movies because of my dyslexia. Reading was really hard for me. So movies and being a very visual person, I mean, Gattaca, Rudy, the pursuit of happiness, Aaron Brockovich, like these true stories I think that, yeah, they're all true stories of people, how they really worked hard to get where they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget that the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness came out while I was at Purdue. And that, that, that helped me, that mm-hmm. helped me not give up. So it, I look at these things as um, I always surround myself with positivity and I had to end, end friendships with people that were very negative and, and jealous. And for those who are listening, if you're around people that are making you feel dumb and you're not capable of anything, I think you need to consider changing your friendships. Definitely. Okay. So moving on just a little bit from our previous conversation, uh, you mentioned that during your time as a, a math coach and a math teacher, you've noticed that the way that we're preparing students for higher level math needs needs to be revamped. Now, can you share a little bit more with us about what you've noticed in the classroom and what you've noticed with with your students? So what I've noticed with the students when I'm substitute teaching for the math teachers, I've developed some great relationships with the math teachers who like to help have me teach their kids while they're gone, um, is the, the systematic approach of drill and kill is kind of been like drill, like practice, practice, practice um, in a different way, in the way that we were taught has changed into a style that is easy to be, to do some shortcuts. And I've noticed that 
when I'm teaching my students, the first thing I'm noticing is that they're not writing anything down. They're just, they think it's because it's easy, they're mentally, they're mentally solving the problems. And I've noticed this pattern more and more as the years go by. I've been doing this for three plus years now that I've noticed that as, now that I have it, like, for example, I have a 10th grader and my 10th grader cannot subtract on their own unless they use a calculator. Whereas when we were in school, we were not allowed to use a calculator until pro probably sophomore, freshman year, depending on, because by the time that was when we were using calculators was when mm -hmm. we were needing to use it for the SAT. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't need a calculator until you're taking the SAT. Mm -hmm. So by that time, there's a calculator section and a non-calculator section for the ACT. There's a calculator section. So it's a time thing. So use a calculator to help you do the math faster. And then when you do it, put in the calculator, you know, if it's right or wrong, because you did it in your head, mm -hmm. double check. So what I'm noticing is that there are a lot of tools that kids are using um, as shortcuts. And I've noticed their foundation is getting, it's so paper thin mm -hmm. versus us. It was like brick thick, thick. Right. Uh, a foundation. We knew our multiplication, our division, our addition, subtraction like that. By fourth grade, we knew our fractions. But I'm seeing students in middle school, they don't know how to do a simple fraction. I have high schoolers that can't add or, or reduce fractions. So what does that tell me? That tells me that our future generation in our education system and our ability to thrive as a country is going to be, is at jeopardy, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And I say this because I lived abroad and I saw students, they were working hard to try to be number one. Mm -hmm. so, so, so technology is a hindrance is what, what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's a hindrance. It's the, who is going to be advancing in technology? Who's gonna be providing that technology? It's not gonna be us anymore unless that changes. You know, I know in the 1960s, you know, USA and Russia were like, the space race was real for that reason because yeah. the Americans wanted to get to the moon or they wanted to be the first in space. And when the when Yuri Gagarin and Valentina were the first female and male that went to space, it really it really boosted the education because of that fear of the Russians taking over and mm -hmm. spying and everything. So that was like because of that fear, it drove education. And now we're kind of like taking it easy. We're on chill mode. Why? There's no need to be. We we need to we need to step up our education system because our future generation will be at risk. Yep. And yep. then us, who's going to take care of us? Exactly. Exactly. So, how are you personally approaching this deficiency that you've observed? Uh, what What are you doing with your with your students with your astronauts? Uh, with my astronaut candidates, I basically am telling each and every one of them, you are the next generation. You need to fix this. Uh, you can be that one person that could be in office or in Congress or that could make that change. You know, it took a couple of people to make some decisions here with votes to make that decision. And some, and I think that if I were to impact one person that the same as the person who impacted me then I, I have to pass the baton. So I'm basically giving my batons out to every one of my students and saying, how far are you willing to go before you pass it on to the next person? Um, I thought of like maybe going to and a meeting and saying something, and I probably will one day, you know, 
whenever those board meetings come up or whenever I, I don't know, I don't know how to work it out yet. I'm trying to figure that out is to how to be uh, a speaker and, and explain how this needs to change. This needs, something needs to be done about this because I'm seeing it in the classroom. I'm seeing it with the students that, and today parents are noticing that the grade that their child is getting is not really reflecting their intent of what they know. Mm-hmm. They're an A student, but they're really working at a C level. Mm-hmm. And that shows also a, a, um, a disadvantage of the teachers with a larger classroom than they had before. And I know this because my sister is a teacher. She's saying, you know, I have a lot of students and I could only give so much attention to each one of these kids. And so the amount of one-on-one has reduced significantly due to the increase of the student and teacher ratio is now way different. Yeah, yeah. So this is my, my last question for you. And I kind of preface it with a little bit of rationale about why I'm asking this. So one of the things that I'm passionate about is increasing representation um, of minorities and women in STEM careers. I've created this platform, the podcast and and the the blogs and things of that nature um, to do just that, to, to increase the representation of minorities and women. So we have scholarships, we write no-nonsense blog posts, give crude slash real-world advice to mentees in various settings, and I'm, fingers crossed, <laughs> going to be an adjunct professor this spring. So you, with you having experience teaching and tutoring uh, and co- coaching in a wide range of age groups, what advice can you give me and our listeners on new approaches as to how STEM courses are taught? And what methods can we employ outside of giving students the baton uh, to attract more diverse talent? I do think that students need to be inspired um, to want to learn STEM. That's what it did for me. I mean, I would never want to be an engineer. I never thought I, that engineering did not come to my plate until I knew what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an astronaut. So how do you get there? Science, uh, you know, I could be a doctor, I could be an engineer, I could be a coder. I chose engineering. I chose engineering to want to work to where I wanted to end up. But if someone says, oh, I'll just do engineering, you have to show them what that looks like. You have to Mm -hmm. show them in color versus showing them black and white. Because if you do that, you're not going to, they're not going to see a reason to do something much more harder and get, and, and to be uncomfortable they need to, they want to be on, in order for them to be comfortable being uncomfortable, they need to know what that why is. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, if, because I knew my why, I did what I could to get to that, to that why. And I think what students need to do is they need to be inspired. They need to be, they need to put more funding into bringing in speakers, bringing in influencers. Um, I mean, that's how social media is thriving. People are influenced by a product that someone's promoting. They buy the product. So the same thing with career. Uh, when I share with my students, you know, this is what's possible. They're like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do that too. How do I do that? I said, well, you got to go to school. You got to enroll in some extracurriculars and then it goes there. So I think inspiration, just to summarize it, for us to get the next generation going, we need to show more inspiration because that's kind of what happened in the 60s mm-hmm. and the 50s. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I want to thank you for your time this beautiful, beautiful morning. Um, and if you could tell us what your website is and how, how do we get in touch with you? Well, you can definitely get in touch with me at themathastronaut.com. And my Instagram is themathastronaut. Pretty simple. That's all we got for you this episode, folks. Looking forward to chatting with you next quarter. And remember, it's okay to feel stupid, but don't you dare stay that way.